we're going to take a look at a guy who did some amazing things. In fact, uh, this guy is the root and offspring, or Jesus is the root and offspring of this man. Um, his name is David. And uh, he was a depressed guy. I mean, he, he wrote so many wonderful songs that we sing and we rejoice. We sing them today. And they certainly did it in the day that he lived. And, so, and he did exploits for God. He was a conqueror. He was a mighty king. Uh, and yet he was also had his doldrums that went way, way down, way deep. And uh, we're going to show some scriptures up here uh, for them. And in all four, you'll see the same thing. It's Psalm 42, verse 5. He says, why my soul? So he's kind of talking to himself. He remembers all the things he's, he's done and all the promises, all the things God did, the lions and, you know, killing the lion, killing uh, 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 Goliath. Um, why my soul are you downcast? Okay, the way I'm feeling isn't the way I should be feeling. And why so disturbed within me? It's just like this churning going on inside. And then just the very next verse after he's questioning why, he says, my soul is downcast within me. So he just, like it's, it's pushed down. Everything that was good about his inner person is, is suppressed. It's pushed down. And then in the 11th verse of the same psalm, he says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? He comes back to the same question. Why so disturbed within me? What in the world is going on inside me? And then the next psalm, which uh, a lot of um, theologians and Bible translators believe is really a part of the same psalm, um, Psalm 43 and 42 are linked together in some translations. And he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? So here again, he just keeps coming back to it, coming back to it, questioning himself. And part of the questioning of himself, as we discover throughout the text, is really questioning God. And questioning his faith. So we're going to unpack this psalm. We're going to go back to the very first verse. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. So here he, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's running for his life. Enemies are pursuing him. Uh, he, he is in isolation, it's, it's separation, segregation. Uh, he has to run. He's living up in the mountains uh, to, just for fear of his, uh, just for his own safety's sake. And, and he, he thinks about the, the God and worship and the house of God, the temple, all the things that were so precious to him. And he says, as the deer pants for the streams of water. Uh, so my soul pants for you, almighty God, my God. Uh, he said in Psalm 84, verse 10, a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. 
That's Psalm 84, verse 10. In Micah, some of the prophets uh, echoed this same thing. Come and let us go into the house of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We used to sing that here. Come and let us go unto the mountain of the Lord. Uh, it's, and it's, it's just this longing in the heart of the believer, longing in the heart of the follower of Christ to be together, to be able to fellowship with one another. And when we're separated from that, it's like uh, there's something so desperately missing. And so his depression was a part of that. We learn from this that we can, we're subject to depression. We're dis, subject to discouragement, uh, often simply because we can't get to the house of God or we choose not to become a part of the worship of God's people. Psalm 42, verse 2, the next slide. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Now, he could meet with God privately, but it wasn't the same. He was um, uh, out, as I say, a downcast. Uh, he was um, an exile. Uh, all, but he's saying, all my inner nature, all myself longs for that worship of, uh, of, of God. And I'm, I'm not, he wasn't just looking for the ordinances of worship, the things that they did when they gathered together. But it went beyond that, fellowship with God himself. And so it was equating the two. My absence from the house of God and my meant, in so many ways for me, he's saying, absence from God himself. And so, uh, and, and notice he says the living God. This wasn't a religion to him. Some kind of uh, ritual that he would go through, a religious ritual. This was a relationship with the living God. My soul longs for the living God. You know that he puts that longing within every human being. We don't always recognize it for for the uh, to be that, but once we come to faith in Christ, all that changes. There's this longing uh, for the living God, for those. Uh, uh, Quiet moments of worship and praise and prayer when we're alone and we sense his presence. Or those times when we're together as the body of Christ and we're, we're in a jubilant praise and rejoicing and teaching and all of the things. Uh, um, all of the things that are precious to us. And, and, and he, he says, uh, where do I go? Where can I go to meet with God? It just seems that out here, it's not working. Out here on these hillsides, and as I'm running for my life, it, it just isn't happening. And, and we can come to those places in our lives when the pressures of life are so great. We just say, where is God? Where can I go to find him again? Where can I once again have that touch of anointing of the Holy Spirit on my life like I once knew? Uh, Psalm 42, verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. What people say to me all day long, where is your God? Well, um, there is a, an issue of impatience. <laughs> uh, maybe he, he was just rushing things. We all can, uh, we all can be guilty of, of not being patient. 
But uh, for him, it was the, the, the longing for fellowship with God th- by meeting with God's people uh, had been his food. His tears had been his food, so he couldn't eat. He couldn't eat anything. Uh, he, he was just, his whole body was affected. He, didn't, he had no appetite. And uh, he started to lose out. Um, well, people say to me all day long, where is your God? They're um, scoffers, people who laugh at you because of your faith in Christ. Um, can shake your faith, especially when you're, you're already dejected. And, and people say, well, I thought you trusted in God, and I thought this, and I don't know if you experienced that or not, but he sure did. And uh, it just really was shaking his faith. Verse 5, my soul, why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? It, it, was a, it was being downcast, that's for sure. He was depressed, but it just seemed to be churning and churning and churning. And no doubt that's why he couldn't eat. Uh, and so he starts to talk to himself. He starts to preach to himself. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Uh, he starts to shake himself and say, you know what? I got, I got to rise up in my faith and my trust in God. God won't let me down. And we can do that. <laughs> and it's a wonderful thing to do that. But notice the next verse. Um, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. So despondency returns. Have you ever been there? We said, I'm just going to shake myself. I'm going to cast off all this discouragement, this doubt, this fear, all the things that are making me resentful, and on and on the list can go. And you say, I'm going to change. And the very next breath you say, my soul is despondent within me. Well, that's what he did. He, he vacillated in such to such extremes. My, my, I, I'm going to trust God and... Soul, why are you so downcast? Why are you so discouraged? Why, why is everything, even affecting your physical body, churning within you? Your thoughts, your emotions, everything just upside down. Uh, maybe he thought of his harp. Maybe he thought of how he played his harp for Saul and how in doing that, the devil that was in Saul was cast out. And so his praise and his worship had been so powerful, even through his harp, his music, his song, he was able to do exploits for God. Uh, But it seems like there's no harp out here in the wilderness. There's nothing to cause that to change. Verse 7, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, literally water spouts. Uh, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. So a water spout is a convergence of very dark, moisture-laden clouds that come together. And this, uh, I've never seen one personally. This is more in the Mediterranean. Uh, I don't know if it's in other parts of the world. I've never heard of one in Canada. Maybe they are. 
but it's like the sky is blue, but above it and around it, but these clouds converge. And then there's this massive downpour that comes down, and, and, and it's a roar that's involved with it. And if you were to be underneath that, that it would just, it could, well, you could drown. And then he, he's saying uh, that uh, underneath the waves and the breakers are swepting, swept over me. So he's saying, it's like I've, caught, I've been caught in between two roaring forces. The water above me cascading down with great force upon me, and the waters that I'm, that I'm turning, I'm swimming in, are churning around, and it's like I'm caught in, the, in an extreme. There's no hope for me. Wow. Uh, verse 8. <laughs> There's so many ups and downs in this psalm. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. So, uh, in, one, in one thing, he's caught between this water spout and the churning sea, and there's no hope in the next verse. By day, God directs his love. And so it's like... Um, there's some kind of a, of a quiet, still voice within me in spite of all the anxiety and depression and all the things I'm feeling that says that really God is still directing his love for me. And that is a powerful truth for us to realize. Whatever it is we go through, whatever trials, whatever temptations, whatever depressions or anxieties or whatever it is, that is affecting our life, God directs. It's not just a blanket love, but it's a specific love for you, for me. And at night, his song is with me. So whenever there's nothing else to comfort me in the darkness of the night, I have no bed to lay on, no pillow to put my head on. I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of hiding in among the rocks and the caves. And in the midst of that very lonely, lonely place, there's a song. There's a song. A song that would mean something special in the daytime, being sung with the congregation that he was so long to be with. But this is a song when you're all alone, when it's dark, when it's cold, when there's no one else to support you or, or, or comfort you. It's a song in the night. <laughs> Years ago, there was a a. a a song written after that statement. You can have a song in the night, after every trial, after every mile. Uh, just a really nice little song. He says, at night, at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Notice how, how personal this becomes to him, a prayer to the God of my life. So, come what may, he said, no matter how things are, how bad things are, if I really focus, he's there. He's there. 
and he's there to lift me. Lift me from my discouragement. Lift me from that heart that has lost its song. And plant that song once again. Encourage that faith once again. Encourage that hope once again that this is not the end. But it really is a glorious beginning in so many ways. He says, I say to God, my rock. Now he was sleeping among the rocks <laughs> in caves. But he's saying now to a, a greater rock, something that is more powerful and more forceful, that has a far greater refuge than any of the natural rocks around him. I say to God, my rock, uh, why have you for, for, forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Now, we see this guy, we say this, you know, this guy's just, he's so back and forth, he's unstable. How could you ever trust a guy like that? But really what we're learning from, learning from here is it's not, faith has a right to inquire of God why things are happening the way they are. Uh, we're per, God permits us uh, to remind him of his promises. In fact, he sometimes just allows himself to be a little distanced so that we'll start to shake ourselves as he did and say, God, why? Where are you? Why is this happening? And sometimes it takes the trials of life to prompt that question from us. Sometimes you have to be in that lonely, dark place and discouragement where everything seems to be going amiss. It's sometimes only then that we stop and take spiritual inventory and say, God, I, I don't know what's really happening here with me. Maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe that's where we all are. It's time not just to uh, question God, but to question ourselves in relation to God. Uh, verse 10, my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? So his his bones suffer mortal agony. So it's, it's like... Uh, it's like a knife that cuts past the flesh right into the bone, right into the very innermost of his of his self, and that's how he, that's how he's feeling. The enemies, those around him who are taunting him, those who are trying to kill him. Where's your God? Remember Jesus when he was on the cross. If God really is with him, uh, he could come down from this cross. Uh, mockery cuts deep to the heart of a person. It really does. And, and hopefully you're not experiencing that too directly, not like he was, certainly not like Jesus did. But um, it causes you to question. Uh, sometimes the mockery is a voice within you. Uh, it mo you're mocking yourself. But as we see so much through the Bible, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, he will never leave us or forsake us. He's, he's present with us, even though we may not feel it all the time. 
Um, Psalm 42, verse 11, the last verse of this psalm. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So he constantly is rehearsing his sorrow. But he comes to the place where he realizes that he has an anchor that God has not left us, left him. Um, he is there. And the anchor is faithful. He says, my God, my God, my God. Um, I don't know how you relate to all this. But um, we certainly, um, if we're honest, go through some of these things. Be careful of the person that says, I never get discouraged. I never have to deal with issues. I never, I, my faith is better than that. They're not being real if they say that to you. The psalmist was very real. And he made his cries to God known. Maybe you're in a place of doubt this morning. Is God real? Does God really care for me? Yeah, I believe and I, I, I attend church and I kind of get a shot in the arm when I do. But underneath there's this feeling of, I'm really not sure anymore. And we look at the things that are happening around us, and it just kind of feeds that thought. Well, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, the writer is talking about um, a veil. Um, a curtain, a big curtain. It was a curtain that was inside the tabernacle of the Old Testament. And this curtain separated the general population, the general members, the rank-and-file members of the nation of Israel, separated them from God, and only the high priest could go in there, and then only once a year. And there he offered the, the blood of atonement for the sins of the people. Um, and, and the writer to Hebrews picks up on that, and he says, uh, we have this hope. He's constantly, psalmist was constantly saying, hope in God, hope. Uh, don't lose your hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul that is firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Oh, we're invited into that place that in the Old Testament you couldn't go. But it's behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. And when did that happen? It happened when he died, when his blood was shed. He did this for us. As, a, as the Son of Man, he died, and his sinless life, his perfect life, enabled him to be the high priest that could go into the very throne room of God 
the inner sanctuary that sin kept everybody else from entering. And he has become a high priest forever, it says, in the order of Melchizedek. We have an anchor. We have an anchor. Your hope is not without an anchor. Your hope this morning is not without something that is greater than your inner feelings or your disquietness, your discouragement, your, your troubled soul. You have a hope that goes beyond the curtain, that goes into the very innermost sanctuary of the presence of God. And as David pours out his life, and again and again and again, he's talking about hope, and my hope is in God, and, and, and why is my soul disquieted? And, and he's more conscious of his circumstances than he is of his faith, than he is of the surety that we have, that God has brought us through Christ into his holy presence, and nothing can remove you from that place. Years ago, we used to sing this song, and I'm sure they do in lots of churches today. It's called, We Have an Anchor. Uh, and there's five verses. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. Um, first verse says, will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cable strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded, firm and deep in the Savior's love. It is safely moored. Twill the storm withstand, for it's well secured by the master's hand. And the cables passed from his heart to mine can defy the blast through strength divine. It will surely hold in the straits of fear. When the breakers have told me the reef is near, though the tempest rave, and the wild winds blow, not an angry wave shall our bark o'erflow. It, is, it will firmly hold in the floods of death when the waters cold chill our, late, our, our latest breath. On the rising tide it will never fail while our hope abides within the veil. When our eyes behold through the gathering night the city of gold, our harbor bright, we shall anchor fast by the heavenly shore with the storms all past forevermore. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll fastened to the rock that cannot move grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Anybody here remember that song? <laughs> Lots of you do. Um, uh, wow. 
Uh, Tina, would you come back with your worship team? Let's stand together. I just want to ask this morning, um, just before we sing and have prayer, how many are saying, my, I, I really related to what was the psalmist said in his life experience? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, you can go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah. Wow. Um, doubts are not your enemy. Discouragement is not your enemy. Fear is not your enemy. Those negative things are avenues through which you overcome the one who would try to destroy your soul. By overcoming those fears and those doubts and those anxieties, you lift yourself into a place of strength. So this is not a time to say, oh, wow, when is it going to get better? It's a time to say, when am I going to get better? We long for political solutions, for medical solutions, but the real solution for, from, for discouragement and despondency is in here, in my soul, that can so easily be downcast, disquieted, anxiety-ridden. Isn't that true? All of this brings us into an understanding of our own vulnerability and our absolute need to entirely depend on his grace and love and strength. And to not remove ourselves from the fellowship of God's people because that's the longing that he expressed when he said, as the deer pants over the water brook, so my soul longs after you. And he was talking about the courts of the Lord, the place of the gathering of God's people. All together, whether it's in meetings such as this, or prayer groups, or where you're with someone else, or whether in, your, in the privacy of your own uh, prayer closet, or your uh, um, uh, bedroom, or wherever it is. Um, it, it's introspection of the soul through the Word of God and through prayer strengthens you and helps you to overcome uh, in fact, I think this last song is something about overcoming, isn't it? Is this last song something about overcoming? No? What were you going to sing? This is a song of repentance. Okay. Let's listen. And as we do, you reach out from your heart in faith to God and trust in Him. And make those inner declarations. Yes, if go ahead. In fact, if you don't acknowledge the thing that you're going through, it, you really don't open your heart to receive the provision and help from God. And that's what the psalmist shows here. He, he was so brutally honest with his feelings, with his thoughts, and he laid them bare for people through the centuries to read. And through, the, through it all, he discovered the grace and the power of God to overcome. Anyway, go ahead.